Let's pray. Father, once again, we are, we, we, are, we are sitting, standing before you. We thank you for just the, the privilege of being in your presence. And now we ask for, for the power of the Holy Spirit to come and touch us, Lord. And uh, because we believe, Lord, that you, and you promised us that the spirit of truth will lead us into all the truth. And uh, we ask you that you will touch our minds, our hearts, our emotions, everything that we are, Lord, because it is your truth that will sustain us, sanctify us, and change us. This we pray in Jesus' name. Well, happy Easter to all of you. Uh, great to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And, uh, and this morning I would like to talk about, yeah, obviously the resurrection of Jesus, but what, what does that really mean to us now? <laughs> and uh, I've, I've said this a few times, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus didn't come to the world to die for a religious system or religious institution. He, come, he came to this world to die for people. And he commanded his followers to do likewise. Now, for certain part of the world, it is literally that. People died for their faith. For us, I think it's basic. The, the basic thing about the, the, the call for discipleship is that we are called to live our lives for the sake of and not at the expense of others. Everything we do, especially when, when you come to, to, to ministry, to, it's like everything you do is always for the sake of others at the expense of yourself. And that's what we want, want to do. So without saying too much, I would like to uh, get uh, all our attention to the scripture. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we are going to read from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to read from verse 10. It says here, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Since then, we know what it, what it is to fear God. We try to... Okay, let me, let me read again. Since then, we know what it is to fear God. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope that it is also plain to your conscience. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was, was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old, the old has gone and the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore 
Christ's ambassador, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us or on our behalf or for our sake, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As we uh, celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and we read the gospel, this person called Jesus, he, in, in his life, in his ministry, he's known, you know, he's known for his kindness. He healed the sick, fed the hunger, raised the dead, liberated people from demo, demonic oppression. His kindness, and yet on the other hand, there's the, the other side that to the human eyes, this man who is audacious, <laughs> in a way that he, he challenged the religious system and the really religious leaders of the day, his religion, all right? His religion, he challenged them. He claimed to be the Messiah, he claimed to be the only way to God, he claimed to be the truth or the embodiment of truth, and he claimed to be equal with God. You have seen him, me, you have seen the Father. So imagine the believers or, or the, the people of the day is like, you know, what the heck? Who is this guy? But here's the thing. He proved all his claims by resurrection. It's that simple. And uh, Romans chapter 1 verse 3 and 4, it says... Jesus, as it is humanly or by in, in the flesh, a descendant of David, but he proved to be the Son of God by the resurrection. <laughs> he made his point by raising, being raised from the dead. Now here's the point. John chapter 10, verse 18. The, John says this, or Jesus made this statement. No one takes my life away from me. I laid it down. No one takes it away. So when he died on the cross, he gave it away. And then he said in John chapter 10, verse 18, he said, I take it away and I have the authority to raise it up again. Wow. So he actually raised himself up. And I do this because this is my father's will. So the question is, what does that resurrection really mean to us? That's why I read that passage. If you see in the whole of uh, New Testament theology, the resurrection means, you know, in the book of Romans, the way Paul describes, he died for our sin, but he was raised for our justification. So in other words, it is important for Jesus to win the victory for our justification. Not only that, but it guarantees our, our future resurrection status. And uh, in the context of this passage, in, uh, from verse 1 to, uh, to 5, if we read, Paul talks about the hope of this new heavenly body that we have because of the resur resurrection of Jesus. There's a new heavenly body. And uh, in verse 5, Paul describes that the presence of the Holy Spirit fu functions as a deposit guaranteeing that state or resurrected status in us. 
And then from there, he moved on to verse, the, verse 10, chapter, chapter 5, verse 10. He said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due, what he has done in the body, whether for good or for evil. What Paul is trying to say is this. The idea of the hope of resurrection, we can't take it for granted, but it needs to produce a healthy fear of God in our lives. Because everybody is going to be presented before God, sinners and Christians and those who are right before God, for sinners, for judgment, and for, for us, it will be, we will be rewarded for what we've done. So it has to produce a healthy fear of God in, in every believer. But here's the thing. If you read verse, verse uh, 11, it says, Since then we know what it is to fear God, we try to persuade others. In other words, the, the healthy fear of God needs to produce something in every believer. And I love this is what he said. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. So often, we as Christians, we get religious, oh, God knows my heart, that's fine. You know what? According to Paul in that verse, it's not enough. It has to be clear before people our integrity, our honesty. Yeah, God knows my heart, but nobody can see my heart. People will see my heart when they, when they interpret my conduct. That's what Paul said. Before God, it's clear, but I hope also before your conscience. As Christians, we are people that, that are supposed to be easily interpreted. No one should second guess us. Now, we can't be perfect, but you know what? We have to, that's why he said we do our best. People know what to expect. And he's, from verse 11, I'm going to jump to verse 14. I love this. He says, for Christ's love compels us. I love that. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. In the heart of every believer, there has to be a compelling sense of purpose driven by the love of God. I want to say it again. In the heart, pretty much this is what Paul is saying. In the heart of every believer, there has to be a compelling sense of purpose that is driven by the love of God. Not by whatever hidden motive here and there, but no, it's only the love of God that drives us, that compels us. As a matter of fact, I think it's in 1 Corinthians on the same subject. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where the end of that passage, Paul said, always encourage one another, and Paul said, always being filled with the, being, uh, being, being filled with the, the work of the Lord. 
What kind of work of the Lord? This is it, the work of the Lord. That it compels us. And he died for all. This is the why. Why is the love of God compels us? Because he died for all. And listen to this. So what? So that those who live no longer live for themselves. That is powerful. We live in the world, and unfortunately, the Western gospel, especially the one we see on TV, somebody actually, I saw something on Facebook. I'm sorry, I read the Bible, I read Facebook too. <laughs> That's a... Uh, biblical Christianity is not popular. And on the other hand, popular Christianity is not biblical. <laughs> I thought, that's interesting. Somehow we, we get caught up in this, in this uh, multiculturalism and relativism and political correctness. And everybody's driven by this thing called success. And, and, uh, and the church gets sucked into that same mindset. Whereas Paul said, no, no, we are supposed to be compelled. Something that drives us is that sense of purpose driven by the love of God. Why? Because the fact that one died for all and all died. And because of that, we should live our life not for ourselves. So, so those who live no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised from the dead. What does that look like, really, philosophically? Okay, continue. It looks like, like this, how we view people. All right? To fellow believers, how we view them. Verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view of in the flesh, other translation. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, and the new is, is here now. And that's how we are to view other people, fellow believers. New creation. And how we are to view the world, okay? And he says, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. That's the world. So, Paul, in presenting new creation, when you talk about new creation, we, we can't escape the connection between new creation and the, the, the original creation. Right, we are now a new creation, but let's go back to the, the old creation. How do we see the people in the world? Whether he's a robber, he's gay, he's straight, he's whatever, any political you know, persuasion, you know, all those things. How do we view them? And I remember growing up in this legalistic uh, church where all our sinners, that is true. 
all our sinners, and, and, and as a matter of fact, Paul wasn't just talking about people in the world. He said, we are all, all of us, have fallen short of the glory of God. That's true. But when you talk about the language of creation, you look at anyone. I don't care how bad that person is. Before we see them as sinners, we need to see them as created in the image of God. That's the language of creation. Originally, that was it. Now, we see believers like you guys, new creation. But those people still created in the image of God. That's why people ask me about all these theological stance on different issues in, in the society today. I said, I have no problem with all those things. Well, on the one hand, I'm strong with what I believe, but it's how I treat those guys because the way I see them. Before we see them as matter, yeah, before we see them as sinners, no. We see them as created in the image of God that and also not only that, which God asks us to invite them to be reconciled to himself. Hello? In other words, these are people created in the image of God. The only thing that is needed in their lives is be reconciled to God. Really. So in that case, our view of fellow believers, our view of the world, and then our view of ourselves. This is very important. Verse 20. We are therefore as Christ's ambassadors. There you go. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him to be seen who knew no sin for us so that in him, in Christ, we might become the righteousness of God. The powerful thing about what God did, Christ, this holy one who knew no sin, God made him to be sin so that we can become the righteousness of God. Can we see the exchange here? Christ, who knew no sin, which is holy, God made him to be sin, and then so that we become the righteousness. Wow. It's like the embodiment. You and I become the embodiment of the justice of God. That's like a, a massive divine exchange. And we are as the ambassadors of Christ. My question now, are we accurately representing, because an ambassador is the one, is, is, is a person who is supposed to represent the government he comes from. We are from the kingdom of God. So the question now, how we actually represent the kingdom of God accurately? 
And when I see some of the behaviors of some, some, some Christians in the Western world, and I thought, Lord, I don't think we actually accurately present your, your heart here. It's about representing his heart. Can I have the measles, please? So we, we can we, we, we celebrate Easter and all those things. What, what's, what, what, what is all that for? That's great. We, we need to honor God. But the reality of the resurrection of Jesus is to give us the power to represent him accurately where we can actually, like I said, have the right perspective of the love of God towards the world, towards the people around us, towards fellow believers, and accurate perspective of who we are. Let's all stand up.